Well, it's bittersweet for me tonight. I will tell you because I've had such a great time being here. I was thinking about it today. I said, man, it, it went by so quick. I remember we started planning this, I think it was last fall, brother, if I'm correct on that. And, and man, here we are. It came, and April was here. And, man, I remember it was Sunday morning waking up and thinking about coming here. And, man, it's Tuesday night. So uh, Mama was right. As you get older, time really does fly by, doesn't it? I tell you what, it really does. But I tell you what, it's been a blessing to me. And uh, just we were talking about it in the back, just to get confirmation. You know, one thing when you're, when you go to preach somewhere and you're putting a message together, the Lord's putting the message together. I'm going to get more specific there. And the Lord's giving you a message. It's nothing like, though, later getting confirmation. And this weekend, um, a lot has happened through conversations. Um, some even me and your pastor have had and others have had. And it just confirms why the Lord had that mentality back to basics. It just confirms each night why the messages is what he wanted. And, and last night, once again, uh, I got confirmation as to why. Little did I know, but God knew, that uh, it was a burden on your pastor's heart to challenge his congregation to share the gospel. And I had no clue about that. So if, he's, if you've heard that from him along the way, that was not planned. That just goes to show you our God. And he already knew. And once again, he wanted to bring the challenge. Amen. And uh, I tell you what, we, we talked about back to basics this weekend. And we've talked about back to Bible basics and, and simple truths that, you know, sometimes we can get so far off in left field, we just forget the simple things that we should be doing. And I think that was the reminder to the body of Christ. And, and your pastor said it well. My pastor says the same thing. Listen, we, we're all for visitors come. We're getting ready to have our spring revival coming up in a couple weeks. We're all for the visitors to come. Amen. But you have revival for your church to get out. And my prayer is, in some way, shape, or form, if you were open to hear what God was saying, I hope you weren't listening to me, but if you were listening to what the Lord was saying through me, I pray that on some level, just between you and Him, that you got challenged, you got some help, you got a fire in a certain area, maybe one day hit you between the eyes, so to speak, of your heart a little more than the next. I won't name names, but and it was a good thing, but I still respect his privacy. I had one brother come up to me and said, buddy, you stepped on my toes on that one. He said, and I'm grateful, and I won't go into the reason why he said that, but as we began to talk, and he told me why, boy, it was a beautiful reason. It was a beautiful reason. And I began once again just to get that confirmation that, as if we don't already know, the Lord knows what he's doing, and he knows what we need when we need it. Amen. We talked about, just a quick review, if you will, we talked about Sunday morning getting back to Calvary, getting reacquainted, if you will, with our first love and remembering what the torture, he did get tortured, he laid, willingly, he was tortured for us and, uh, and all that he went through, what a great love story it is. You know, the greatest love story ever told is that right there, the greatest love letter I've ever read is that right there, and to go back to Calvary and be reminded of what he did for us and the love that he proved, he proved it. Romans 5, 8, and, and what a sweet time that was. And then, of course, Sunday night we talked about there needs to be a... Now, listen, the body of Christ, there needs to be a separation from the world. They need to see something. They should be seeing something different in us than they're seeing 
uh, just anywhere else than they're seeing in the world. We talked about there needs to be a severance. We, the challenge was issued from Paul in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 that, hey, there is even some times where you're going to have to cut fellowship with some people. You're going to have to. You're going to have to cut fellowship. And we went through a list of different things that the Bible challenged us on right there in the book of Ephesians 5. And it really makes you take a good look and say, is there somewhere in my life that I'm still holding hands with the world? Unintentionally, but it's there. God's showing it to me in that message, and, and, and I hope that if you have that, that he identified it to your spirit. And then, of course, last night, we talked about the reality that we need to be witnessing. Have we forgotten the cost? Have we grown cold in our witness for the Lord Jesus Christ? That Have we still have a burden like we once had for the lost? And we, we went through that, and we looked at the book of Luke on top of many other scriptures, scriptures before we went to the book of Luke. And Lazarus and the rich man, and, and many of you know that, and what we've read, even if you weren't here last night. And the challenge was issued, and the pastor, I commend him. Hey, I like a, a flock leader that leads by example. And he went out there and he said today, it wasn't a puffed up statement. And we didn't take it that way. And he didn't mean it that way. But I love the fact that he leads by example and said, you know what? Hey, I'm just like everybody else. I got... I need a little kindling every now and then. You know why? You know why him and I and other pastors and other men of God still do? Because we ain't perfect. We're just forgiven like you are. We just might have a different calling on our life, but we still got a flesh. We still got this whole world we deal with. And matter of fact, let's get more specific. We got the same devil. Got the same enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy and doesn't take days off. Walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So one of the reasons also, you know, I think about that. You think about that roaring lion. Let me say something real quick right there. You know, something about that roaring lion. You know, you've read that verse that as a roaring lion, he walks about seeking whom he may devour. I love watching them animal documentaries, and I love powerful animals, grizzly bears, things like that. And, and I'm fascinated by that, you know, the strength of some of these animals. And, and I love a lion. I have since I was a little kid. And you know it's amazing, that line, and you think about that verse for a minute, you think about your enemy. That line will wait, and he's so patient. And he'll wait in the tall grass, and he'll linger, and he'll watch, and food sources will walk by, but he's not paying attention to that. What he's really paying attention for, he's waiting on a weakness to show itself. He's waiting for that one that's limping. Or he's waiting for that little cat that gets away from mom. Or he's waiting for that injured animal. He's waiting to see a weakness. And when he sees a weakness, it's amazing. Boy, you'll see his whole demeanor from just, you know, he's relaxing. To all of a sudden, the seriousness. And then the whole look in his eyes, the focus and the intensity. And you can see almost the rage building up, that predatory instinct. And he pounces. You think about that, Satan just... He just kind of walks around just waiting for a weakness. He walks around our homes. He walks around our workplace. Matter of fact, he, he does laps out here around church probably sometimes just waiting for a way in the door. We talked about that mouse crack. Let me just wait. Wait till somebody gets upset in the church. Uh, right there's an opportunity. Don't forget. Let me, this ain't even part of the map, but Don't forget who your enemy is, body of Christ. And he don't take time off. He wants nothing more than to divide this church, divide you against your man of God, divide you against one another. So don't forget that. Just, just 
my church, church I go to, same to us. We don't need to forget that because we're all the body of Christ. So let's keep in mind who our enemy is. But you know something, the reason I brought that up, you know something about that line. You know the only thing <clears throat> that line a lot of times ends up getting defeated by or is intimidated of? A bigger line. Let that sink in a minute. The only thing that line's scared of, intimidated of, or ends up being defeated by is that, quote, younger, stronger, more powerful line. I'm glad that we've got a line on our side, the line of the tribe of Judah, who is bigger than that fake line out there in the grass. I'm glad we got the real deal, brothers and sisters. And we've talked about it, we've looked at these different subject matters over the nights and in the morning, Sunday morning. And tonight, here's where I felt the Lord led me. And I'm going to tell you where to turn here in just a second. And as I was putting this together, I, I, was, I was excited because I felt like, you know, we, we hit on sometimes even some touchy topics, some challenging topics, depending on how it affected you. But then it's like to finish off revival, he just wants to come by. Daddy, just that sweet spirit. Not that, not that disciplined side of daddy. We, we've had to look at all sides. But now it's like he's, he just wants to come by tonight in this scripture and just love on us a little bit, close it out. Boy, I love being reminded of his sweet love. When that old world will put you through, you know what? I'm glad I've got a Savior who understands who's tempted in all points as I am yet without sin, and I can go to him and say, Father, not stranger, Father, can we just talk for a little bit? Daddy, I'm upset. Daddy, I'm angry. Daddy, I've had the best day of my life. Boy, it's been something. Whatever. But I can go to him and be honest and talk with him. Tonight I want us to look at a topic, the Good Shepherd. Psalm 23. If you got your Bibles, you can make your way to Psalm 23. And here's what is we're doing that. Here's my thought that he's put on my heart tonight. We talked about that gentle love that he just wants to come by and remind us. But through the challenges we face, you know, we, we talk about we need to you know, have a burden for witnessing. We talked about a separation and, and, and awareness of that. We do have some things we need to step up and do as the body of Christ. But you know that old saying, when I am weak, he is strong. I used to, we used to love singing that, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And tonight we're going to feel the Lord coming by and go, yeah, listen, there's some things you got to get away from in your Christian walk. There's some things you need to do to spread my gospel in your Christian walk. There's some fellowship you have to break in your Christian walk. But here's what he's coming by tonight to show us in Psalm 23. I'm the good shepherd. Follow me. You're not alone in it. You're not alone in anything I'm asking you to do. You're not alone in anything I'm challenging you to do. And that's what I want us to look at tonight. I, th I just feel like the Lord just wants to come by and just almost. I remember, <laughs> I remember one of the sweetest things I loved as a child. Some of you, I know you know what I'm talking about. Especially when I was sick. But when I go over to Mama and she just rub that head. Boy, something about that just made me feel better, just mama's touch. Tonight, I think we're going to feel just daddy come by and just say, hey, I know it's tough down there sometimes. 
And I know it ain't always perfect in the workplace. And I know sometimes your neighbors may be a little out there. And I know that child situation you're worried about and praying about. But I just want to come by today, child of God, body of Christ. He's saying, I just want to come by today and remind you, I'm still on the throne. And I'm still your heavenly father. And I'm good to my sheep. But let's look at some characteristics of that good shepherd. Let's look at some of those characteristics tonight. Let's go to Psalm 23. Let's start and we're going to read the whole thing. Starting with verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. Notice that's not past tense. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Oh my, how we need that in this world we live in. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Ye though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Last verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to pause there for a moment by making this statement. You'd be surprised the Christians, now stay with me now, that don't see the best in their Heavenly Father. You'd be surprised the Christians, they're saved, born again, on the way to heaven, love the Lord. But they sometimes, some more than others, maybe a lot of times, don't really see the best in their heavenly Father. reason why a lot of young people don't want nothing to do with church. Because they don't really see the best. They don't really, does he really love me as much as that Bible says he does? Does he really care for me like mom and daddy says he does from his word? And you know what I found out? And you'd be surprised the people who love the Lord and are so depressed and are so burned out. We talked about it even a little bit Sunday and have no joy. And I'm going to tell you what, you got to get back to understanding. You need to see the best in your Heavenly Father. You need to be reminded just what He does for His flock each and every day of your life. Every second, every moment. So let's look at that. First, we're going to look at the characteristics of the shepherd. Number one, he leads me. Look at verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside the still waters. I'm grateful today that he offers direction for his children. He leads me as his child. Hey, can I tell you the first characteristic of the shepherd? I need that. Because can I just be honest, I don't know about you, depends on how real you want to be tonight, there's a lot of times I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I didn't say I don't love Jesus. You love Jesus. But there's some times when, and the Lord knew it was going to feel that way. Let's look at Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Don't lean on your own understanding, Kevin, Pastor. In all your ways, not some, in all your ways acknowledge me. In the pastoral direct your steps? No. Kevin the evangelist? No. 
person sitting next to you in your pew? No. He said, I will direct your steps. You know what I like right there, though, where he says, in all your ways? Isn't that a reminder that we're to come to him about anything and everything and nothing's too small? If you see the best in your heavenly father, you'll be reminded, ain't nothing too small you can't talk to him about. If you ever get to the place where you feel like, I can't bother God with that, you ain't seeing the best in your heavenly father. Any daddies out here? Raise your hand if you're a dad out here. Okay. It doesn't matter if it's a daughter or a son. If they come to you and say, Daddy, I sure do love you and I need some advice, does that make you mad? Are you, are you upset that they can't? Did they bother you? No. You're excited that they recognize your daddy and they want your opinion because they love and respect and need it. I'm glad my Heavenly Father knows that I can come to Him and say, Father, I don't have a clue right here what to do. Here's many days in the ministry. Man of God can testify and understand to this over his years of ministry. He's been preaching the word a lot longer than I have. There's some days where you just wonder, Lord, am I still in your will? Am I still doing what you want and how you want it done? I can't tell you how many days, all of us, but I'll tell you, in full-time ministry, so every day the enemy tries to get you to quit. Just quit. It'd be a lot easier just going back to a secular job like you had before and that steady paycheck. Just, man, you know you're tired. Just quit. God understands. Just quit. But you know what I have to do? I have to go over there like we're talking about, and I say, I know you lead me. You're the good shepherd. And I may not have a clue where I'm going, but I'm glad I serve a God who does. And let me give you a thought. I'm going to tell you what. You might even want to write this down in your mind. This is something that will help you in some of the darkest days of your life when you're wanting direction or anything else you're facing. Remember this right here. If you're a child of God, if you can trust Him with your last heartbeat, if you can trust Him with your last heartbeat, let that sink in. If you trust Him with all eternity, I sure do believe we can trust Him with everything else. I believe we can trust Him with everything else. If I can trust Him with my last heartbeat, I can trust Him to direct my life if I go to Him. That's why Matthew 6, he said, look, you don't have to worry. Now, you can choose to. You can choose to. And don't get me wrong, we still have a flesh. The Bible says he remembers that we're dust. And we're going to have some days where we get worried. That don't mean you don't love Jesus. Again, don't let the devil get it twisted. But what he's saying is here, my desire for you, though, is you don't have to sit around worried death like that. Matthew 6, read it if you hadn't ever in a long time. It's not his desire. He said, do not worry. Do not worry. But like I said, there's some times where I need direction, and I don't know where to go. I'd be willing to say there's a lot of people in here tonight that it could be a particular area of your life where you just would say, I need some direction right now. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to pray for that person I've been praying forever for anymore. I don't know what to say anymore. I don't know what to do anymore. But I'm glad tonight he just come by to say, hey, daughter, hey, son, it's okay not to understand That's why I asked you to lean on me. Because I know it all. I know the end from the beginning. And I'll show you the way to go. Remember, what's the Bible say? The Bible says, His word will be a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. I'm grateful that when I don't have a clue where to go, listen, when I don't have a clue where to go, you know what you can do? Think of it this way. When you don't have a clue where to go, I'll just take that word 
and I'll just lay it down right there and take a step. And then that word goes over there, and then I take another step. Left foot, right foot, and I might not have a clue where I'm going. Don't know where I'll be 20 feet from now, but I do know I'll be in the arms of the Savior all the way. Left foot, right foot. His word will be a lamp unto my feet. Now remember, did you notice that? Listen to that. Catch this part too real quick right there. When he said it'll be a lamp unto your feet, he didn't say a lamp unto your eyes. Did you catch that? He's not asking you to see it. He's asking you to trust him. I don't see yet some things that I've been praying for. He says that's okay. If you could see it, why would it be faith all the time? If you knew something was going to happen Friday, it wouldn't take faith till Friday. You already know what's coming on Friday. Why would it take faith? But left foot, my word will be a lamp, a light. It's going to shine and say, step here. Then it's going to say, come over here. And then he's going to direct us over here. His word will be a lamp unto our feet. Now, can you also see why we're right there, the importance of reading God's word daily? You'd be amazed the people, well, we wouldn't, but I say that figuratively. You'd be amazed the people that want God's direction but don't want nothing to do with his word. They won't spend, they'll tell you they love God's word, and I honestly believe they do. It's not that, but they won't make any time for it. And this, this wasn't prepared, but I'm going to say this. Listen, I heard some boys, some, somebody tell me one time, they, we was talking about that, he said, I just, I don't have time. I said, well, how did you get to work today? You made time. You made the effort. You didn't look at it as optional. you got to get to a place in God where you go, reading God's Word ain't optional anymore. It's like, what did Job say? I treasured it more than my daily bread. you got to get to a place where you look at the Word of God like, I'm going to thirst to death today if I don't drink. But so much we're not looking at His Word that way in reverence and desire and need and recognition. And then we wonder why that line's eating our lunch sometimes. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Hey, I'm all about, listen, I'm all for getting people to pray for you and everything else. Listen, I had a brother I worked with for years in the secular job where I was a supervisor, and he'd come to me daily and he'd say, man, I need you to pray for me. Man, I need you to pray for me about this marriage situation. Man, I need you to pray for me. Well, brother, I will. He said, he'd come, he'd say, man, I got everybody praying for me. But here's what I'd say. I'm talking about taking action. I said, brother, can I ask you something? We, we got really close over time, over the years, and I said, brother, let me ask you something. I won't say his, even his first name. I said, brother, let me ask you something. I said, how much time do you spend in God's Word? I'm just curious. Very little, hardly any. I said, okay, let me ask you another question. How much time is your personal? I know you're asking a lot of other people to pray, but what's your personal prayer life? When's the last time you've been in that prayer closet? Quote, unquote. I mean, I, you know, I, off and on, I pray a lot. And then I said, let me ask something else. How often do, are, you, are you plugged into your local church? How often do you go to church? Yeah, I ain't been in a long time. I said, let me tell you something. You can ask people to pray for you all day long. And listen, I'm, I'm going to be very careful here. You can ask people to pray for you all day long. But if you're not willing to take any step at all towards Christ, I mean, you just want everybody to pray for you, don't expect God to work a miracle. You got to take faith without works is dead. Not even, he doesn't even say partially alive. He puts the axe to the root of the problem. It's dead. And sometimes we're expecting a miracle, but we won't even take 
that first step. We're want, you know what we're wanting to do? We're wanting somebody to come by and lift our leg up and put it out for us. And God is saying, no, nah, uh-uh. I'm already dealing with them on some things. This is about me and you. I need you to take a step. Left foot, right foot. His word will be a lamp unto my feet. I'm grateful that his word is a lamp unto my feet. When you don't know where to go, I'm grateful the good shepherd. What does it say? First quality, first characteristic, he leads me. Let's move on to the next one now. First characteristic, he leads me. Number two, he restores. Look at verse three. He restores. He restores, restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, for his glory. Amen. I'm glad that he refreshes me. He focuses me. Man, I'm so glad of that. If you got your Bible, I'll tell you what, flip over to Psalm 51 real quick. I want you to see something. Psalm 51, just a few pages over. Psalm 51, verse 12. Let's see again in God's Word. Remember, I always want to give you Bible. I always want you to see God's Word. Psalm 51, verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. You know, that's why I always love reading the Psalms. And so many of them that David wrote, I love the fact that God showed me in his word, hey, David felt the same way sometimes. David felt the same way sometimes. Sometimes David felt abandoned, fearful. We talked about the different things. But you know what? Right there he says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I'm glad he restores me. Child of God, can anybody testify? There's been some times in my life. You ever had a day where you wake up? Or maybe even gone through a season where... Now here's what's really wild sometimes. When nothing bad has happened. But yet, you still feel heavy. It ain't been a bad day. You ain't got no bad news. But for some reason... You, we'll just relate it to the psalm. Your joy just don't seem to be what it normally is. It might happen a week from now. Man, at revival or during something, man, I felt the flame. I felt a little kindling. And now today, for no reason, I just feel dry. You ever been there, child of God? How many would be honest to say, you got to raise your hand, but just some days you wake up and nothing's wrong. But like David said, Lord... I don't like feeling this way, though. I've got too much to be grateful for. You ever just want to slap your flesh? How dare you act like you're pitiful and have a bad day? God's been too good to me. And you get upset. But you know what you're really saying right there? You're saying, Lord, would you just restore unto me the joy of my salvation? The joy. Didn't say restore my salvation. Restore the joy of it. Restore the joy of my salvation. I'm grateful that the good shepherd comes by in his word just to say, you know what? I'll lead you. I'll restore you when you're feeling down, when you're feeling empty, when you feel like you're running dry. I'll be that fresh breath of living water. I like it over here. We talk about that living water. Me think about that woman at the well. She wanted a drink. And he said, you know what? You know what? He, then you, you know the scriptures. But I'm paraphrasing here just for a moment. Instead of flipping there right now for the sake of time, he says, hey, you know what you need? You need a drink of my water, and you won't be thirsty again. He didn't say it wouldn't be a perfect day if they'd be perfect. But I'm going to tell you what. You know what I found out? 
My soul, when I come to find Christ and I got that living water, I didn't crave cocaine no more. I didn't crave the ABC store no more. I didn't crave satanic concerts no more. I didn't crave MTV no more. And the list goes on and on and on and on. You know what I got? Because I got it one day. I went by like that woman at the well, and I met a Savior and said, Hey, are you tired yet? Sure do look thirsty, boy. See, some people got to get to a place where you get sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. But when you get there, you know what I like? He was just sitting there waiting on her to get there. He knew she was coming. It didn't catch him off guard she was going to be coming to that well. You know what else I like about that? Let me say this too. I'm grateful. We talked about this the other day a little bit. But I'm grateful that when she came, you, you, for the sake of little ones maybe here, we know her, what she had been through and what she had been doing, her decisions, her sin, her lost condition. But you notice what Jesus, you notice Jesus didn't ever call her a name? He didn't sit there and act like, how dare you? You gonna ask me for some water after all you've been doing? Really? He didn't have no attitude with her. He didn't mock her. He didn't call her names that some would call people that have made that decision in this day and age. He didn't say none of that. He just sat there. And you know what? He didn't have to take his word and beat it over her head. You know what? He just sat there at that well, told her the truth in love like we've been talking about. You just tell him the truth in love. He loved on her and shared his word with her. But then don't forget one thing. If I can't bring the story up without saying this one part, but you do notice now, let's not forget, he did tell her to go and sin no more. Don't forget repentance. He did tell her to say that again. Don't, don't go and sin no more. You know what he's saying there? Don't go back to the mire. I done delivered you. He didn't bring you out. Let me make an announcement. He didn't, whatever he's brought, delivered, he didn't bring you out for you to turn around and go back again. He brought you out to bring you to a wealthy place. Beside the green pastures, beside the still waters. He didn't bring you out of the bar for on your first bad day for you to do a U-turn and go back across town to the ABC store. Don't ever intentionally, intentionally go back to what he delivered you out of. Sure, we slip up. Sure, we mess up. His grace is sufficient. We can confess it. But the thing is, he didn't bring you out for you to go back again. Mm. This life ain't easy. This life is tough sometimes. But I'm grateful that the good shepherd said, number one, the first characteristic, he's a leader. He leads me as his sheep. He he leads this congregation too. He restores. And now I want us to look at the third attribute. He protects me. He protects me. Look at verse 4. Ye though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou, that good shepherd, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I'm glad the good shepherd protects his flock. I would be willing to bet that there's some of you, if we had time, and just wanted to turn this into a testimonial service, that a lot of people could stand up and testify sometimes. You can look back now. You might not have seen it then. You already know where I'm going. But you can look back and say, their hand of God was on me right there. 
The hand of God was on my child in that car accident right there. The hand, of chi- the hand of God was on that situation. I might not have seen it then, but I can sure look back now, and I can see that the good shepherd was looking after his sheep, and he protected me. I'll never forget, my, my brother was a drug addict, lost. And I'll never forget one time he put a gun to my head and pulled the trigger, and it didn't go off. I remember another time I was in a car accident with him. He stole a car, took me as a kid. He was supposed to be babysitting. Oh, he did all right. We went on a high-speed chase, glory to God. And I'll never forget it. We ended up down there in Swepsonville. And I'll never forget, he hit a telephone pole, and that thing came crashing. And I'll never, I, can st- I can still remember him grabbing me, too, on this. Don't ask me how I can remember that. But I remember when he hit that pole. I remember, and all I remember was my brother grabbing me out of the way, and that pole went right on top of that car where I was sitting. Sometimes, child of God, won't you just for five, ten seconds just look back for a minute in your spirit. Lord, I sure am grateful you've protected me along the way. You say, well, yeah, I ain't had no accidents or nothing like that. Did you get here safely tonight? Guess what? He protected you and got you here. This dear sister down here testified to me when I got here. She said she, said she had a family member worried about her, didn't want her driving last night in that awful weather. Thank God some, you got family that loves you like that. I would have told my mom or anybody, grandmother, anybody, same thing. Mama, you stay at home. Pray for me. You don't need to get out in that way. I don't want you to get, you know. You know what that was? That was God speaking a word through that kid to you to say, you just need to stay right here. I know your heart, daughter. You just stay right here and worship me tonight. I ain't no shame in that. You know what that was? That was the good shepherd going, I'm going to protect my sheep. I'm grateful that he protects his sheep. I'll never forget, I heard this story one time. Many of you have heard different testimonies of how the Lord has saved people and brought them through some of the most awful times, has delivered, has protected. And I've heard so many stories, and it just breaks, some of them have broken my heart in a good way, of how the Lord looked after that child and protects. I've heard lately some of the most amazing testimonials of people who have been battling cancer, who have been battling some of the deepest struggles of their life, but how they got delivered by God through them. First of all, because he's still Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He does not change. Now, he's sovereign. He can do what the Bible says. He sits in heaven and does as he pleases. He can do what he wants to do because he knows what's best. But the book of Hebrews also says you can come boldly to the throne of grace to find a help in time of need. And then people have experienced miracles, some of them. Some of them have had divine protection that has saved their life in ways I couldn't imagine. I told you the other day, and this was where I was getting ready to say, my friend Rush, you heard me talk about it. I don't know if you caught this one part. He's now with the Lord. But he was shot three times in the head, stabbed over eight times. Part of his brain had been blown out the back of his head. I used to joke with him because he had staple marks and dentions. I said, man, because I used to be, before I got saved, I loved horror movies. And I used to watch him Friday through. I said, man, your head looks like Jason Voorhees from Friday 13th with all the dents and marks in it. And we'd laugh, but, but you know what? That man ended up getting saved. God had a plan for his life. He ended up getting saved, and God used him for many years in ministry before he went home to be with the Lord. You know what? God protected him. He should have died. 
And people say, well, hold on now. There must be something more to that story. There was. There was an act of faith. i got to share it so that the story ties in and makes sense. He had a praying grandmother. She used to ride three days last time she ever comes home on a Greyhound bus. Three, three days. This was in the, when he was in the last YDC in California before he ended up in Pelican Bay, Folsom, Chino, and San Quentin Prison. And she said, Russ, God gave me a dream about you that one day you're going to be free. One day you will be saved. And one day you will be a preacher man. And years and years and years later, going back to don't stop praying, he'd always stand up there and say, and here I am today living my grandmother's dreams. You know why? Because God had a plan, but God honored that grandmother's prayers of faith. Just like he honored my mama's prayers. He didn't honor my sin. He didn't honor Russ with 666 on his chest. No, what he honored was grandma was standing on God's word. That's what he honored. But because of grandmama's prayers, what did he do? He put that old hand of protection on his head when he was shot in the head three times. When he was stabbed down his back, gash marks over a foot long in prison. He had his hand on there because old grandmama had been praying, standing on the promises of God. I'm glad he leads me. I'm glad he restores me. Boy, I sure am glad he protects me. Isaiah, you don't have to flip there. Isaiah 54, 17 says this, and we're about done. You know it. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against me in judgment thou shalt condemn. Isaiah 41, 10 puts it this way. Fear thou not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. Yes, I will uphold thee with thy right hand of my righteousness. Notice all the eyes there. He says, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm grateful that the good shepherd protects. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says it this way. But the Lord is faithful. I shared him stories just to remind you of his faithfulness. But the Lord is faithful. Who shall establish you and keep you from evil? He protects the flock. He protects his bride. He protects the body of Christ. Let's look at the last characteristic. Oh, this is the one that gets me excited too. <laughs> you know what else the good shepherd does? He prepares for me. He prepares for me. He prepares for me. What does John 14 say? <laughs> I go to prepare a place for you. But you know, I like, hey, he could have said that, but I like the way he finished it. Where he said, if I go to prepare a place, <laughs> I will come again. Let's just let that sink in. I will, I will, I will come get you, child of God. I will come get my bride. I will come and get you that where I am there you may be also. I'm grateful that right now as we're sitting at Lakeview Church, Spring Revival, that right now the Good Shepherd's preparing a place. He's a preparer. He prepares my path. He restores me. We talked about he leads me, he protects me. But oh my goodness, it sure is nice to know that right now on the ride home, tomorrow morning, whatever, 
as we sit here now, as we close out service tonight, all the while, he's preparing a place for you and I. Can I just be honest with you? Let me, let me say, I often wonder, can't wait to see it. Child of God, you ever think that way? You ever just sit out there and look at the stars or just talk to the Lord in your quiet time and go, I can't imagine what it's going to look like. Eyes not seen. Ear is not heard, nor is entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for those that love him. Bride of Christ, guess what? He's getting the bride chamber ready, and it ain't plan C. We're going to an upgrade. Don't be too attached to this world. This right here, compared to what's coming, is like plan Z. We're going to plan A. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. Other than some people I know it's lost. You know what I'm saying there. But other than that, Dear saints of God, some of you older saints of God, let my mom and them know what I'm talking about. Just ready to go be with the Lord. Just ready to go. You know what else, too? I'm going to say this. Sister, I can't wait to look him in his eyes. Me and mama's talked about that many days. I can't wait to see, really see myself what he looks like. I can't wait to see them holes. But you know what I'm a oh man, I didn't you know what I think's gonna get a hold of me. Boy, if I ain't ever got it before down here, because it's old flesh. Mm. I believe when I see them holes, bro. It's gonna really hit me. Well, how much he loved me. He's preparing a place. I want to leave you with a thought. They say. Heard a man of God say this, and I'm going to borrow what I told him. I said, man, that's good. I'm going to share that. He said, you go right ahead. He said, <clears throat> he said, over there in Israel, they were talking on a trip, and they were talking to some of the shepherds over the flocks and different things. still have herds and flocks. And, and they were talking and kind of, quote, sharing stories. I'll, I'll put it that way. And he was asking questions and things. And you know, the shepherds have that staff with the shepherd's hook. And that's for when you can put it around their neck and pull them out of danger. And that's good stuff right there. There's a whole message in that, being the good shepherd. We talked about how he protects, how he guides, how he restores, etc. But get this now before we close in prayer. Here's what I like. He said, he got talking to one of them, and he said, what happens over here? They got some heels. It's not like out in Texas or somewhere where everything's just flat. And he said, them herds will get over there, and sometimes they'll get over the edge of the hill. Get this now. And the sheep will technically lose sight of the shepherd. And they don't know exactly they're waiting on direction. Thank God for his direction, right? We talked about that. He leads us. But they said, what that shepherd will do, my wife and mother-in-law know where I'm going because they heard a man of God use this illustration if they remember it. And he, he said, what they'll do is, imagine them kind of getting over the hill out of sight. They know he's over there, but is he over there? Is he over there? Is he where over that hill? Watch this now. He said, you know what that shepherd says he'll do? He'll take that staff. He'll grab it at the bottom. And he'll raise it up high as he can. And oh, watch this. He said, and when the sheep see the top of that staff, they know which way to go. Let that sink in a minute. You get the correlation. I'm glad that sometimes 
lot of times, maybe it's just me in here tonight, that I don't have a clue where I'm going. And if I'm honest, sometimes I feel like I don't even see where Jesus is in the moment. But brother, if I look hard enough, over the hilltop, brother, I see the top of his staff, and I know which way to go. He's the good shepherd. He loves his sheep. Children of God, I want to leave you with this thought, and I'm going to turn it over to the man of God. The message is done tonight. The message is remember tonight. As we quote part ways, and I hope I see y'all again. Love to come back. It's the Lord's will. But I want you to understand something tonight. I want to leave you on this high, high note. You are a king's kid tonight if you're safe. You're a king's kid. You're a child of God. Don't ever let this world, your workplace, somebody that... Don't let this world ever try to identify who you are. Young people... There might not be a lot in here tonight, but listen to me. Young lady, young people, don't let them friends, don't let that music identify you. Remember, if you're saved, you're a child of God. You're royalty. You're royalty in his eyes. And if you ever doubt your worth, we're all going to have those days sometimes. You were to die for. That's your worth. If you ever doubt it, just look at that cross. Look at an empty tomb. I want to leave you with one story. I said I was done. You know us evangelists, we always say that about 20 more times. <laughs> but I'm going to share one more story. And I know my wife and mother-in-law know this one, but I'm going to share it. Here's my final thought for tonight. Body of Christ. We need to have an attitude of gratitude. God's been good to us. I want to leave you with this. Man of God, get ready after the story. I'm coming to you. Brother in Christ said they were having revival one time. Broke out to eight weeks. He said it went on for eight weeks. And on that last night... He said, man of God, he said, man, it was, it was on. I mean, God, the Holy Spirit, was, it just kept going. It just kept adding another day, kept adding another day. He said, I'll never forget, man, it had been fired up every night. I mean, God was just moving. It was, you know, it was very fired up. He said, but I noticed on that last night, it, it's like God had quieted that thing down a little bit. Uh. He said, and I noticed that night, wasn't but a couple people praising the Lord. A couple people over here in the wheelchairs. One of them was named Wayne. Oh, Lord. I've shared this a hundred times, and every, every kind of message you can think of, I'll throw this in somewhere. He said, oh, Wayne was so bad off. They, he's in his 20s. He said, Wayne's so bad off, they got him seat belt buckled in his wheelchair. He's paralyzed from about here down. He's got withered hands. And he talks with a slurred speech. He said, and I'm not making fun, and I ain't sure ain't either. God knows my heart. He said, and it started getting good, and they started singing over here. They had a couple over here singing, and they started singing, God's been good. 
And he said, he looked down, man of God. He said, and it started getting on old Wayne over there. And Wayne with his crippled hands sat over there shaking. He said he was doing like this, trying to get down that seat buckle. He said, and they kept singing, God's been good. He said it wasn't much longer, man of God. He looked over, kept preaching, saying some things while he was singing. About that time, he noticed old Wayne finally got that thing unbuckled. He said, and I watched as that invalid man slid out of that wheelchair, remember he's paralyzed, and hit that deck like a sack of potatoes. He said, I looked down, and he said, I watched that invalid man pull with crippled hands, paralyzed body, little inch by inch, pull himself to the altar. He said, I thought, Lord, help. If he's crawling to the altar, I want to hear what he's got to say to God when he gets there. He said, man of God, he said, by the time he got to the communion table, he said, I was face down beside of him, laying there on the altar. As you imagine, took, even though he went too far away, it took him a while to get there. And we say that respectfully because of his condition. <clears throat> he said he was laying face down. He said, I want to hear what he had to say to God when he got there. Man of God, he said he leaned his head down, was laying there beside of him. He said, and this is what that invalid boy said, paralyzed from the waist down. Twenty-some years old, life ain't even got going good. Paralyzed, withered hands, slurred speech. And here's what he said. And I'm not making fun. God, you been good to me. He said, I thought, Lord, help. Here's a man who's paralyzed from the waist down, crippled hands, but he crawled to an altar to tell the God of heaven, you've been good to me. So in closing, here's what I want to do tonight. Man of God, I'm sorry, but God's put something on my heart. I know you don't mind. We're going to do one more little altar call tonight. And I think you already probably know where I'm going. If you want to play some soft music, go right ahead. And here's what I want to do. We're done. Here's what I want to do. We talked about what a sweet spirit we've had at Revival because God showed up, not me. We talked about everything God's been doing over the last few days and how people's got help. But here's what I want to ask you tonight. Has God been good to you? Do you have anything to drink this morning? Do you have anything to eat today? Do you have a bathroom to go to? Do you got clean water? What about that kid that ain't over in Duke Hospital right now that's healthy? Got anything... I'm talking to me too. Do you have all the music play? I just want to ask them. Do you have anything? Like that invalid boy. I just want to come to the altar and just say, You've been good to me. Would you come? You've been good to me. We used to sing that song, God, so good. Has he been good to you? In closing out the revival, you might just want to come and thank Him that we have revival here this week. 
Might just want to come and thank Him that you're able to get out of bed this morning. Might want to come thank Him for that person that's hard to deal with, but He keeps giving you strength to get on with it. Might want to just thank Him for this church. Might want to just thank Him for the sweet spirit up in here. Might just want to thank Him that when you stand up to go back to your seat, that you actually got vision and you're not blind. Isn't it amazing the things we take for granted? I know I do. Lord, I just want to thank you that I even got vision tonight, that I can hear, that I can taste some food I'm waiting a little while. Matter of fact, that I even got something to eat, period. I want to thank you that I got a car out there in the parking lot, for goodness sakes. Got socks on my feet, got some shoes. Some people in the world give anything for a pair of shoes. Just want to thank you. Because you sure have been good to me. You sure have been good to me. Like old Wayne said. Have your time with the Lord. Man of God, if you would, I'm going to ask you to stand right here. I'll come down where you're at. That'd be even better. I don't want you to have to walk up there right now. The service is over. But I want to say something personally now to you. We're brothers and sisters. This ain't about, listen, this ain't about denominational stuff. I think we agree on everything we need to agree on. Notice we didn't come here to debate things. And I just want to leave you with a challenge. Love one another. Love one another. And when you disagree, keep that line out there where he belongs. Don't let that fake line come up in here, okay? <clears throat> I want to say publicly to the man of God, to his dear wife, thank you for having me. I know you understand, but I'm still puzzled why he'd use me to do anything. Why me? I don't know why, but I'm grateful. So I want to say thank you to this church for having me, for loving on me. <clears throat> so many of you have shared so many kind words to me, 
my wife, my mother-in-law. You've made us all feel welcome. I want to publicly thank my wife for always being by my side. Thank you to the woman of God by this man's side. Thank y'all. That's God called y'all too when he called us. And I want to say this last thing. Pray for you, Pastor. If you have, keep on. If you honestly haven't, don't raise your hand or nothing to start. Because I'm going to tell you what. We need it. We need your prayers. This man of God, I don't pastor a church. I can't even imagine the burden he carries. Because you know why? He carries burdens. Because he's over the flock. Remember the good shepherd? He's the under shepherd. And when he sees a sheep hurting, when he sees a family hurting, guess who carries that home with him? The under shepherd. I love you. Thank you.